Okay. Moto GP, the moment I've been waiting for because now the FIM is directly in my crosshairs. But let's go over the finishers first. Yeah, uh, let's talk about me, the race before we, we lose look, all Look, don't of tell me how to do Listen, we're not going to lose our spot. Listen, everybody loves us. We are a complete delight on here, Bo. I mean, everybody loves us. All right, all right. so finishing the top spot, Fabio Quartararo. Second, Miguel Oliveira. Third, Yoan Mir. Fourth, Yoan Zarco. Fifth, Brad Bender. Sixth, Jack Miller. Seventh, Alicia Spargaro. Eighth, Maverick Vinales. Ninth, Danilo Petrucci. And tenth, the Doctor with his first top ten of the year. So, I mean, we got to mention that and say, hopefully things are looking up. Eh, we'll see. Eh, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll feel it out. You know, if he can continue to make some small steps, he can make some progress. Let's talk about Fabio. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Peco, Peco Bagnaia crashes out of that lead of that race, but I don't know that it would have mattered. I really don't. And um, I agree. my goodness. I think, I think Peco, I think Peco crashed because he was trying to, trying to put a little bit of space between he and Fabio. Cause he knew Fabio would be coming at some point, um, you know, and, and obviously I think that was a mistake that, that, caught up with Pecco. It's not the first yep. time we've seen that from Pecco either. If you remember back to Mizano, he crashed out um, of the race with Why are you no bringing real... up old stuff? Well, it's... Why are you bringing up old stuff? This is old stuff. This anyway. is a new year, Bo. But anyway, <laughs> I just don't want to see I a also... pattern, you know? I don't want to Listen, see Listen, I also saw Pecco's bike blow up on him when he was in the lead. So, you know what I mean? Like, let's... You want to blame him for that too? Oh, Pecco. Man, stop blowing your stuff up. But yeah, Bo's Fabio. Mad at you. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, like you, Fabio saying, was amazing. He was unreal. Again, yeah, he he really is. His he. I don't. I guess the difference um, this year, the difference that we're seeing uh, could be the, out of that front end. Um, you know, Fabio claims that he's got a lot more feel out of the front end. He can feel the limit a lot better. Um, so I think that really translates back to his race management uh, to know where that limit is to know what kind of package he's got underneath of him that day. Um, you know, and, and his, he would have been much stronger even at Jerez had it not been for the arm pump, but, uh, arm pump issue, but, you know, coming back from that, you know, and another win, another commanding two and a half second victory over, um, Miguel Oliveria, you know, and, and really managing the race for quite a while. It's great, great day for Fabio. Great day for Yamaha. Uh, I agree. I, Fabio is running away with it, and I think Fabio is also showing us that uh, that Yamaha is a great package this year. Um, well, you know, I, even you know, saw, it, I saw the article. It, um, the Fabio thinks that that bike is the complete package now. Yeah, it's definitely down a little bit on top speed, but it's so good everywhere else. They made it better everywhere else. You know, they, they've all we talked about Yamaha's philosophy and and how they do it. So they couldn't develop the motor to be a lot more powerful because of the freeze because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But what they did work on was the frame. The frame is different. Their geometry is a little different. And it shows because it, it is better on corner entry with feel for the rider on the front end, you know, and you've talked about it before about how he would feel like it was there. It was there. Oh no, it's gone. Um, but this, this bike seems to be much better and he seems to understand it 
very well, and that chassis is suiting him to a T. So, I mean, right now, if you had, if you had, if I have gun to my head, put money on someone to win it, how could you bet against Fabio? No, I completely agree. He, right now, he's riding on a whole different level. Um, he's, it he's doesn't riding. feel like last year to me either. It doesn't no. feel the same. It Not feels like he's more dominant. I mean, to win at Mugello with a Yamaha, that's that's pretty good. I mean, we especially when you know how fast the Ducatis are, mm-hmm. and you know how fast the KTM is. And he and they couldn't get it close, so no, certainly, yeah. So, but you know, I don't, I you know, we we talk about Fabio a lot, and he's earned that. But you, there's a Miguel Oliveira finishing in second is a big deal to me. KTM seems to have figured out the chassis issues with the new tires, you know, and you and I have talked about this. You know, they don't, they didn't feel like the new hard tire was hard enough. They feel like it's too soft and not a whole lot of people were running it last year. The one that they had was the hard. And so Michelin removed it. They said due to, um, suggestion from the, the riders, but KTM disputes that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and so does Honda, but you know, that allocation, the way they were making it last year, they're not doing it the same. And, um, they, really struggle. I mean, Honda's still struggling with it, but KTM seems to have tweaked it, tweaked the chassis a little bit, tweaked the frame, and maybe the, again, the geometry is is much better for that type of tire, and however that tire is feeling. Um, and they made some step forward in Jerez, and they did not use the updates in Le Mans because of the conditions, mm-hmm. but they did here, and and look what happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the, and and that's the so that's the the stark difference that I see right now between KTM and Honda. You know, they've got similar issues, uh, but the difference being is KTM has a clear direction, and KTM has taken steps toward that 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 clear direction. Honda, they're just so, everyone's doing something different. Uh, you know, every single one of those riders has done something different with chassis selection. Um, and so they're all not working. Yeah. It, so it feels like they're all playing who can finish the lowest and they're all winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> guys, this isn't golf, you know, <laughs> the yeah. lowest score is not going to win. So, <laughs> right. Um, right. But no, like you said, huge step forward this weekend for uh, Miguel Oliveira and Brad Miller, or excuse me, Brad Bender, both. Um, you know, I think, and Pertucci's really hoping that he can get that, um, get that new chassis at uh, Catalonia. So we'll see if the updates are spread down to the rest of the team. But uh, these results for KTM, these are these are the results that I was expecting um, from the get-go of the season out of KTM. I was based too. On yeah, what we I, saw last year. Right, but here's the deal. This is this is very interesting to me. This this dispute between Michelin and KTM and Honda, and even Aprilia is involved in that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it just. It just doesn't make any sense to me why, you know, Michelin puts a statement out that said the riders requested it. And three teams, that's six riders that are like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. We didn't we didn't say that, you know? And right. it just makes me wonder what's going on. And and, and it also bothers me. You, I, I know that it's easier and it keeps everybody on a level playing field when everybody has to use the same tires, but I'm kind of longing for the the option again. You remember the few years when you could choose a Bridgestone or a Michelin? Mm-hmm. It kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of there again. I just, I'm, 
I don't really like what Michelin's doing. That that statement they put out really bothered me, and especially when KTM did just completely refuted that and said, no, that's not true. We used it all the time. They've said nobody used it. That's not true. You know, you had people using it all the time. So, you, you know, get, you it's know, just part of the politics of that sport that we don't really understand because we're not there. Right. And, and that's what I was going to say, too, is, you know, have the top tier companies in the world that are developing products um, and both in the MotoGP teams and the and manufacturers and also the supporting manufacturers such as Michelin, who is, you know, a big title uh sponsor for MotoGP you know they are the ones that are bringing the the race rubber each weekend they're providing these products and and, and essentially this is the that's something you want to have the utmost faith in right we talk about it even at the low track day level is if we don't have faith in the, the rubber that we're on then you know, we're not having a good day you know you have to trust that that tire underneath of you completely yep. because that is your only connection to not you going down. Um, I what? agree. And Michelin needs to do better. And I, I will, I will go a step further and say, you know, Michelin isn't listening to the riders if that's what they think, because it's not just one rider in one team. That's six, a minimum of six bikes that sometimes favored that. So a lot of, them used it and i know marquez when he was there the year before was always on that hard oh yeah front nearly always and and so your premier rider didn't ride last year i wonder if he had ridden last year if they would have kept it because it was marquez right and right. i i just wonder about that but you know what i shouldn't be surprised because if you go to road atlanta the michelin road atlanta raceway they can't build a, be a decent bathroom or a shower and you know, they spent fifty million on a press box, but they won't put a decent bathroom and shower over there. So, wow. you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Wow, Michelin. I, yeah, Michelin's no, you on hear the Jason it. bus. Oh my goodness! Listen, I am tired of it. Like these premier quote unquote facilities, uh, when the the power is a dumpster fire, the bathrooms and showers are dumpster fire. This is why I always bring the trackside motel <laughs> with me, but. This is this is un this is untenable. And if you want to be a world class facility, that can't happen. You have to fix that. You know that press box is super nice, but let's make the facility itself better rather than just making it pretty for journalists to sit in there and write. Right. But that's that's another tangent. Um, another thing about KTM is a big news is they switched fuel suppliers for MotoGP, and yes. you and I are both surprised. They went from Elf to ETS Racing Fuels, the Australian company. But we, and they have a they've had a relationship with ETS for a very long time in the other classes that they run and their other races, the racing series that they run. So there's there's a relationship there previously. It's not like they went with a new company. But it's very surprising to me that in the war, in the highest level of motorcycle racing, they don't standardize the fuel provider because they do the tires. So why wouldn't they do the fuel? What is your thoughts on that? No, I agree. And, and uh, like you said, I mean, I think that was something that kind of surprised both of us. Um, you know, and, and in our in in this is going to be something that we're going to look into. We're going to research, you know, for our own knowledge and, and give us better background on. Um, you know, but this was just kind of a new. Um, a new thing that we've learned you know just in the in the past uh few hours if you will you know and to and to keep research that we do and, and continuous learning around this sport um but i i'm i i am surprised 
that there's no standardization of fuel. Um, I want to say even in, in racing car racing series, there is a standardization of fuel that, that is given out. Like I think, I think that IMSA does standardize what fuel is used uh, for in, in each car class. So, you know, at the, at the top tier motorcycle ro- road racing uh, level, why wouldn't it be the same? Uh, that to me that doesn't really make a lot of sense you can you can only have five engines but we can use whatever kind of gas we want yeah that's just odd to me Uh, it is me too but they they found some more top speed evidently by changing fuel suppliers from elf to uh ets so good on ktm i i think this just speaks to how serious ktm is about winning and as we've spoken about before every series they've ever been in they win and um they're serious about it here. Uh, moving on to Joan Mir with an excellent, excellent podium in Mugello. Um, he, he, he raced a great race. Um, he didn't really have the speed of, you know, Fabio. Of course, no one did. But with that big, long straight, he really managed the back half of that track or the back, you know, portions of that track unbelievably well because that that straight is a great equalizer for the bikes with you know lots of speed and and he was able to hold off yo and zarco and put enough of a gap between him and zarco on the last lap so that zarco couldn't blast by him and that's that's to be commended and mir's doing what a world champion does finding ways to get yourself lots of points and get on the podium and win races when possible right yeah he's still 40 points back off of fabio in fifth place um in the championship standings right now but it, you know like you said he still brought it home it, it was a really good last lap um you know at the beginning there with he with he and uh, Oliver going back and forth um we saw yet another last lap swap penalty swap there yeah we well we saw it twice kind of, mm-hmm. yeah and i i think uh, between miguel Oliveira and joan Amir, so i think this is the time for me to to go off on the fim um, we just talked about MotoGP being the premier motorcycle racing organization in the world. It's the, that class, the prototype class is the premier motorcycle racing in the world. The best riders in the world, the, the most expensive, the coolest, the fastest, the most powerful bikes. And we've got third graders running the FIM and making <laughs> rules and deciding who is doing what you're telling me this last lap, this last lap penalty thing is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The reason I don't like it is because number one, you can do it. What is it? Three or five times earlier in the race. Yeah. Right. Okay. I think it's so a, you get three and then a warning and then two more. I think, right. And then a long, long lap. Possibly. Exactly. So you can do it five times the rest of the time, which means that for some reason, if you do it one time on the last lap, that is a huge advantage. When when we could see the one they were getting people on was all the same turn, it was mm-hmm. not a huge advantage. But as a racer, if the if I have if I know if I have five times to exceed track limits, that's in my strategy every time. We already have the stupid yellow flag pat the yellow flag rule in qualifying. It feels like they just sat in a room and like, oh, well, what else could we do that's completely asinine and subjective? Oh, I got it. This is what we'll do. If you get one millimeter into the green paint, then you know what? You, sir, 
have earned yourself a demotion. Well, the reason they didn't demote Oliveira to third and Yo and Yon Mir to second was because Mir had done the same thing. Right. But they announced it and then announced it was reversed. As I said to you when they we were talking about this, why could you not have taken 30 seconds to see if Yoan Mir had also exceeded track limits anywhere because you're going off sensor data yep. before you make the announcement. Again, elementary school stuff. This kills me. We have too much subjectivity. We have too many people who are obviously not using their brain making rules and more importantly enforcing rules in the FIM and they need to clean it up because they're a dumpster fire to me right now. I am done with it. Yeah. So what at the end of the day, what is this at the end of the day, if you're on the long if you're on the last lap, if you and I are coming down the straight, we're starting our last lap and you know that that you and I have both similar pace and we're fighting for a victory. But we also know that that rules in the back of our heads. What does that do? What does that do for, for viewers? That is not conducive to you and I actually giving it our all. That makes us hold something back, right? That, that makes us, uh, uh, that pulls away really good racing that could be had there because we're afraid of that technicality. That puts a fear into riders right. in the back of their head. And it serves as a means to, quote, police riders and, and makes us hold back slightly or makes them hold back slightly, I'm sorry, you know, why not let the riders police themselves go out, run a race, and, and run their, their all? That, that's what they're supposed to do. That's their job. They're, go they're out there to give everything that they have and lay it all out on the line, you know, in that last lap battle <clears throat> and get the victory. That, that's what victory is. It, you know, it, it's, it's, it's being the best. And if we're allowing a rule to to have an influencing factor in who is the best to me that's an issue and and, and i agree with you you know when we talked about it earlier i kind of had a a little bit of a a well i can understand the rule for a bit but the more and more i think about it the more and more i want to see the long the last lap penalty go away you know obviously if there is a blatant action that puts a rider in jeopardy if there's a blatant action to run a, a rider wide if there's something that is completely uh, just just out of the question and irresponsible then that's when the FIM can step in and hand out irresponsible riding penalties we see them oh, wait do a that minute. All, do you do trust all those clowns well, to be able to judge what is uh, of irresponsible riding because we saw in Qatar in the rain someone come up flying into pit lane and get millimeters from another rider in the wet on slicks. It wasn't and you know, It was Le Mans. I, I'm sorry. In the rain in Le Mans. But I know bad. exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And I, and I agree. I'm telling I agree. you. Yeah, and I'm tell, this is what kills me. I don't think if, if what Marquez did in Le Mans wasn't illegal, great. But shouldn't it be? Should you be passing people on pit road? Should you? Now... If the person has a problem, but they weren't at the beginning of pit road, they were right close to where the speed limit is coming up, right? So Fabio right. was slowing down. Marquez was like, nah, he went outside the white line, which if we want to talk about track limits, what's that line there for, mm -hmm. and came up on the inside. 
Joe Roberts, Pedro Acosta, uh, uh, Miguel Oliveira, Juan Mir, that paint that they rolled over, they were basically straight up and down at that point. Uh, yeah, we're talking millimeters. Millimeters. And, I, and you if you look at their tire, a, a right. Credit card down, and it would have right. spanned the, the, the distance that they would have touched the white. And we saw this at Mizano, what, two years ago, two or three years ago. They actually extended the paint because every single GP rider was going into the green. And the green is not there for. Uh, the, the green is actually there to remove grass, right? So the green is right. actually there to improve rider safety. It's not there to create a, lit a, a, a law. It's not there for litigation. It shouldn't be. It should not be used it's for litigation. It's I, I agree. And I, I think, agree. who has it said? Uh, one of the riders, I believe, said that even this weekend that said, if that's grass, Joe Roberts doesn't get a penalty. Right. Exactly. So my, so this, this is what it boils down to for me. The rule is the rule. So if you go by the letter of the law, Joe Roberts broke the rule. Okay. But the rule is dumb because Joe Roberts could have done that three times previous, which he did not because he did not get a warning. But we're telling them that, hey, you can do it three times during the race. But if you do it on the last lap one time, even though you've not had a single infraction, that's worse. Yep. And that's bull. Because they're racing on every lap. It's not like nobody's racing. It's not like they're just all hanging out in a line until the last lap. Well, how many times have we seen the last lap of the race, we've seen riders throw down their best lap of the race on the last lap? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what does that tell you? That tells you that these guys have something in reserve, and then they're, they're, that's when they save it. They, that's when they give it their all. That's when they really go out and they, and they give it the beans, you know? So... Uh, the got FIM the on them. I got you. The FIM is is taking is is restricting racing for viewers and, and for fans and even for the riders. It's taking it's taking away and and the FIM. They need be, to get out of the. They should not be the focus. They should be in the background, and they need to learn that. Absolutely, completely. We're agree. not. We didn't tune in and pay for our fee to watch MotoGP online to go hear the FIM talking about some dumb rule that hey you touch the green paint on this turn for less than a foot uh, you're 100 right that uh i just man now, i guess I'll, I'll go so far as to say i agree with it when it or when it, i agree with the track limits as far as qualifying is concerned so let's not split hairs, right? So you know, long a last lap penalty, no, no, I, I think okay. is ridiculous. A and also going out of if you if you want to go that far, I'm not sure what your thoughts are as far as the uh, track limits repeated offenses, uh, because I do see some merit there to keep to keep riders from completely just riding, you know, wherever they want to on track. No, and, I, and I'm fine them. with the track limits during the race. What I don't like is the last lap yeah, rule. Right. Okay. If I have zero in fractions if i have four if i have a if i have a track limits warning and i do it on the last lap hey i get demoted that's the way it should be but if i have not had any infractions and i get one infraction on the last lap i that shouldn't could, be penalized that could cost you a win too if you're that's if exactly you're... right so you, you 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 should you should be able to say okay i've run a great race now i'm sending it Let's do it. You know what I mean? Yep. I, 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 I can, I, I'll get a couple. I'll get one or two even 
I'll, I'll violate track limits a couple of times because you know what? I could have done it on lap five twice and it would have been fine. So you know what I mean? I only mm-hmm. did it twice the whole race. Nobody else got this. So you're telling me that Joe Roberts gets demoted, but the guys that got the track limits warning didn't get anything and he did it once and they did it three times. Yeah. No, that's garbage. And yeah. they know it. If they're all they're doing is trying to make themselves relevant. That, that has nothing to do with rider safety. It has nothing to do with anything but the FIM wanting to be like, hey, look at me. I matter. Shut up. You don't matter. You're the worst. That's what I think. You, you're, not, you're not doing your job. What you're doing is impacting racing negatively. negatively. Yes, I completely agree. You're not doing yes. your job. Do your flipping job. And let us watch what we want to watch, which is racing at the highest level without you coming down and telling us that this guy went three millimeters into the green paint on the last lap for the only time he did it the entire race. Nope. B- Joe Roberts had no clue that he had done that. Had no clue. And Bezeki, if you watch the replay in slow motion, oh, Bezeki yeah. was four inches or less inside of Joe Roberts. That had nothing to do with what was happening. Did you see, I, I, I don't know what was said to Betseki, but when but when, when Betseki went to Park Ferme and his pit, uh, one of his pit guys the, that had the front of the bike, did you see this clip when he walked up to Betseki? Betseki looked confused on his face and a guy whispered something to him and then Betseki's looked like his heart dropped a little bit. And I, I, I told Ange, I bet you anything that that fella just told him you got a podium because Joe Roberts went uh, went off you know went off the outside track limits. And Betseki's look wasn't a look to me of oh my goodness, thank God I'm on the podium. It was Oh, you got to be kidding me! That's so you know that's cheap. That that and and Betsecki even knew that in his post race interview. Betsecki knew that he didn't get that podium. That was Joe Roberts' podium, and he even admitted to. It. He said, you know, that's it, not the way that they they wanted it, but that's the way it was that day. So, uh, you know, and so full marks to Betsecki. And and, uh, and I hate to come back into to Moto Two because we you know we're talking about Moto GP right now and what happened with Oliver and Mir. But this is a really sore subject right now, and this is a really impactful subject when it comes to our top-tier racing in the GP class. Um, like you said, this is robbing robbing us uh, of good racing. This is a negative impact on what we see as viewers each week. This is a negative impact for the riders. You know, look, like, uh, once again, back to what you said, the FIM made an announcement that was incorrect, and then they go back and check their sensors again, and go, oops, Lemire went out too. So let's demote him again. So then we have this flip-flop on the podium in Park Ferme, and everyone's confused and nobody knows what's going on. So it, it's bad. It's not clean. It, it's not helpful. It's not condu- It's not for rider safety, like you said. It's ju- It has no positive merits as far as this last lap penalty to me. I'm sorry. There, One, there's no yeah. there, there's no positive positivity to it. Well, I, I, I think I think honestly that you know, you and I talked about why Zarco didn't get promoted to the podium. And the reason was is if you do it in real time, right? right. That that Miguel Oliveira would have been demoted to third and then Yuan Mir got demoted when he was in second. Right. But that's not really how that should have worked, in my opinion. If you're going to worry about it like that, and you're going to go letter of the law, 
then letter of the law says that your third place person across the line was Joan Mir. Now that's the part of the rule that I'd like to read because I'd wonder if it's when they cross the line, they have to go a, a spot from when they cross the line, or is it when the infraction happened? happened. No, that's a, that's, a, that's an amazing, that's a, a fantastic point, and that's something that we'd have to look at, you know, and read that FIM rule book to, to really dive in. And I'm it. not going to read it because it was obviously written by morons, and I'm it. not wasting my time. These idiots. I've heard are it's sitting in, in. I've heard it's in crayon. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. But the, the, I, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I get fired. I'm fired up at the FIM. I, I, this ruined a phenomenal race. And what they did, in my mind, is they made the rule, then realized they made a mistake, and were like, you know what? We're just going to leave it at that. You guys just stay there. That's what it felt like oh, to they me. Oh, they wanted now, to sweep it rug. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no one pay attention to the fact that we are morons. Let me just... Look, again, you're looking at data because we know they repeat 43 times a race. There are sensors telling them if someone exceeds track limits. Great. We know there are sensors there. How hard was it to look at the data and say, okay, Oliveira had an infraction here. Uh, Mir had an infraction right behind him. They are not far apart on the timesheet. They were right behind one another, so it happened can, it, within a milliseconds of each. Stupid. Stupid is the word. Stupid. Now, if this was not a Disney-friendly channel, I would have other words for the FIM. But I'm sick of, again, the premier level of racing being managed by what seems to be a bunch of elementary school kids throwing tantrums in the corner with the bossy second grade girl making the rules. That's what it feels like. And I'm sick of it. Not that it, you know, I have a, I have a bossy little girl, so that's why I said that. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I, I yeah, kind of cringed no. a little bit. And it's like, well, we just lost our yep. female viewing audience. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a little girl who is bossy, and uh, she basically tells me what to do all day long. So my life is run by a seven-year-old. But it's, it's one of those things that I just, I, I, it's unfathomable to me. It's unfathomable that you run that position that is so important the safety of the riders the rules are there to enhance safety not make the racing worse you bunch of idiots fix it make it better because i'm sick of it and i, I think i have to quit talking about it before i start sweating I, <laughs> hey that's all right I mean, we completely get it um you know we're talking about we're, we're talking about dumpster fires tonight so let's 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 keep let's mention this the other dumpster fire that we've got right now um and then get it out of the way which is alex wrens um oh let me oh. Uh, i can't i, I, I don't feel, I have a strong feeling about wrens crashing as i do about at the fim right now but i do know you're 100 percent right. Well, my you're right. So I've picked Rins for this entire season with with hope in my heart for my MotoGP fantasy team, and he's mm. done nothing but crush me every single round. And it's I can't take it anymore. I have to. I ha he has to have. He has replaced Iker Lekawono on the Bow Bus mm -hmm. for the MotoGP class. Whoa. Whoa. I think he's looking for work next year. 
I think he should. He, he definitely needs to well, update that hey, resume. Here's the deal. Yeah, so he <laughs> you don't want to update the resume. <laughs> Nobody wants to see this year. But here's the thing. He, he has to turn it around in a dramatic fashion to keep that seat right now. Like, it has to start right now. But Alex Renz is uh, proving why no one's talking about him. Yes, Remember absolutely. We, we that, that's a, that's he's, an he's, amazing he's, point. Yes. Yep, he's proving it. And, um, you know, we've talked about his teammate outshining him. Well, the reason, you know, he finishes races to start. He was a world champion, but... Number one, he finishes races. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Alex Renz, he's just in a terrible run of form. He's pressing. He wants to finish. I, I think when we get into this mode, it's really easy. When it rains, it pours, and it snowballs, and it gets... Alex Renz needs to hit the reset button, and if that means finishing in 15th, you finish in 15th. Yeah. Now, people would disagree with that, but you've got to finish. When I... I played basketball in my younger days, and when I did play basketball, we would we would sometimes when you couldn't hit a shot, you would try you would get an easy layup or something just to see the ball go in, and that might get you jump started. A couple of easy shots, free throws, layups. Alex Renz needs a layup. Alex Renz needs that. He he needs he needs to get a finish, see a checkered flag to know he can do it. And then just try to give from checkered flag to points, and then from points to top ten. And and I know that the season's long, but buddy, your season's over. Your season's out. You're not going to win the world championship. Make sure you keep your job. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I, no, I completely agree. I'm right there with you. Alex Renz has 23 points right now in this year's championship so far. 23 points. So, yeah, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time there. There's not much that, that can be said um, other than what we've already said. We've ripped the Band-Aid off. Alex Renz needs to go to work now. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I wanted to say something about Zarco, who finished in fourth. I, yeah. You take away the two wins from Jack Miller, which was impressive. Is Zarco the best Ducati this year? So I would say Zarco's probably, if you're looking at consistency, he's, he's the most consistent. Looking, yeah, he's he's certainly consistent. So if you want to call consistency his best, uh, because we've we've talked about that numerous times, points win championships. You know, he's doing what he needs to do to bring the bike home. And you know, he had an unfortunate off in uh, Portugal. So you know, our championship could look a little bit differently um, now yep. if jo yep. if Johan Johan Zarco doesn't fall down in Portugal. So yep, that um, was unfortunate. But he's but he's really really shown everybody in the paddock that the thing at KTM might have been more KTM than Johan Zarco. I mean, it's hard it's hard for me to say it because I love KTM, but Johan Zarco's on a Premac racing team, and mm -hmm. up until this week, he has. When he has finished the race, it's always been ahead of that KTM factory team, and he beat Brad Bender, who finished in fifth, you know. So we'll see. Let's see going forward. Let's not anoint him as the great Ducati rider yet, but right, right. I, I'm impressed with the job he's doing. Um, Brad Bender in fifth, That this is such a step forward for KTM, a second and a fifth from where they were even two weeks ago. This is huge, man. It's huge. You can't You can't overstate it. 
No, definitely. I completely agree. You know, we've talked about the, the KTM steps that they've taken forward. Brad Bender and Miguel Oliveira's finishes are both both the the fruits of that labor. So we want to see continue seeing that progress. Yep. But uh, uh yep, and Jack Miller in six. I mean, that's a solid finish. He didn't have it. He didn't have it really all weekend. I was surprised. I thought he would be faster, but he right. just didn't have it. But you know what? He won two in a row. He came in in sixth. Okay. Alicia Spargaro in seventh is a good finish, though, right? I mean, you feel good about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Spargaro's, you know, he's seventh in the championship right now. He's got 44 points. Um, you know, he's he's continuous, continuing to put work into that package. And, you know, we also saw another face there that was watching from the sidelines. Um, and, uh, uh, we saw Davizio's. that man. Yeah. That's right. We sure so, did. So I think that this is exciting for Aprilia. They've definitely take, taken a lot of steps. We've talked about it all season so far. And we're just going to continue in that way. It, it, they're going to continue in that way, hopefully. So, you know, we'll see if something happens with, with Dovey. But, um, no, good finish for Aleish. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was great. Maverick Vinales in eighth. Um, you know, he had the Q1 debacle where Marquez got in his head. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't help but laugh. I had to laugh. I mean... Marquez is not okay, but uh, that was that was unbelievable that Maverick let that happen to himself. And and I don't blame Marquez for that at all. I blame Maverick because you worried so much about Marquez that you kept yourself out of Q two. Nope. So that was all. But Maverick's but Maverick's never going to win a world championship at Yamaha. It's never going to happen. He doesn't he doesn't have the mindset for it and I saw that that qualifying debacle was all I needed to see. Right. I said it before when Marquez is around Maverick's not okay. Look at that. There's another example of Maverick not being okay with Marquez around. Maverick after that he was fast until that happened and then he couldn't do anything better than 8th in the race. It's like the and, weekend went uh, downhill from there. Yep, absolutely. And you know and then we had uh, Danilo Petrucci in ninth, which is a great finish. So three KTMs in the top ten. Yeah, it's huge for them. That's huge. That's huge. And then you know, like I mentioned before, the doctor finishing, you know, um, in uh, tenth for his first top ten of the year. So that's a big deal for him. Let's see if he can build on it. Down the order, I, I want to mention your boy Polo Spargro and the dumpster fire that is his HRC season. You know, not just He's his. Terror. It's terrible. It's no. Everybody at Honda is terrible right now, <laughs> but with all the fanfare of the Aspargaro Marquez team, this is how many days until we see a a full on tantrum from Paul Aspargaro? I saw his interview where they were talking about after qualifying, and he was just like. We had no feeling in the front, and we had everything. Everything's bad. Everything's mean to me. I'm the. I'm a so unlucky. Nobody <laughs> loves me, and Honda won't give me what I'm asking for. And I'm a crybaby. You know, that's what I saw. And 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 I was like, enjoying it. Oddly enough, like that's terrible to say, but I was. Mm. And I mean, I'm. I just want your thoughts because I feel like this is a. This is a throwaway year. Repsol Honda is not getting it. Marquez can't save them anymore. And to your point, the differences between KTM and Honda, KTM's like, it's the bike. We'll figure it out. 
Honda's like, no, you guys are all just not riding it right. Wait till Marquez gets back. He'll show you. So the chassis, there's no consistency in Honda right now because, you know, like I said, all four riders in the Ma did something different uh, with the when it, whenever it came to switching in the rain. I, I think yep. that um, uh, I, I want to say when the, when the race was dry, Alex Marquez started on 2020 chapter, or excuse me, chassis. And then whenever he came in to switch bikes, he went over to the 20, uh, excuse me, he started on 2021. Then he switched over to a 2020. Then, you know, and then Mark opted to stay on a 2020, then switched over to a 2021 whenever the rain came in, or if he'd made it out when the rain came in. But, but everyone's doing something different at Honda right now. And, and, and there's just no uniformity to it whatsoever. It, it doesn't seem it like does it. It does feel it, a bit like a Benny Hill episode, doesn't it? There's just no you direction. You just get that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, or that scene in Scooby-Doo where they're always running in the hallway through all the doors. And, <laughs> and like once, you know what I'm saying? You know that, that <laughs> where they're running through the doors down here and the ghost is up there. Then the ghost is chasing them. Then they're chasing the ghost. Are you watching Scooby-Doo is, right now to pull that, that, that visual out of thin air? Because that's perfect. <laughs> No man, I am I am just that good. But it just that's what it feels like to me. Um, you're right. The the chassis they don't have a clear direction. That all is hurting them. But it's I think all this is set up because they don't know what to do. Because the great Mark Marquez is not okay. He is not the great Mark Marquez right now. And um, you know, his, I, his, I don't know. And his DNF to me, that's a bad DNF. He's got to put yeah. laps in. He has to get the data. He has got to put the time on the bike. And and that to me was a was a poor decision on Mark's fault. He he admitted that. that. A, he made a yeah, no, it was his fault. It was not Brad Bender's fault at all. Brad Bender was there. And I actually um, saw a headline from Road Racing World this evening, right before we started, uh, to be honest. It said that the these back to back races are going to test Mark Marquez. Well, they're really not because Mark Marquez didn't didn't have a very long race in, in Magellan. No. You know, surely he rode well, on Friday and didn't. Saturday, but you know, yeah. he was out of the race fairly quickly and you know Well he said that was a positive. He wasn't gonna run a whole race so his shoulder would be better. I don't believe that for a second. I think no. they're in real trouble and I think if you're I Mark Marquez, that, how can you justify that it's good for you right now to not be no, in a race? No, no, no. He can't. I mean you can tell me whatever you want. That guy's not right. His shoulder is not right. His, his body is not right, and if it ever gets right again, maybe we see the old Marquez. But the longer we don't see it, the harder it's going to be for the old Marquez to come back. That's what I think. Well, especially if um, your bike's garbage. Oh, right. Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. Finally, Bo. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Yes, We're already blacklisted finally. from the FIM because of you. Might as well go go full bore yeah. on the uh, on the well, HRC. Too. I I do want to mention really quick though the Muppet of the Week was Anea Bastianini. <laughs> <laughs> and then had had the audacity to blame Zarko when you ran into the back of him. I don't know what Zarko was doing. Oh, you didn't know he was pulling up to the grid just like everybody else? You Muppet. You Muppet. The Mugello Muppet of, tw- of oh, the, the week. Uh, what a Muppet of the week. Listen, I, I know that he shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. He didn't. He was not paying attention, and then. But the problem I had with it mostly was that he tried to blame Zarco. And if you know anything, if the person in front is never the one at fault, you're the one looking at them. They can't see you. Yeah. So it's never Zarco. Zarco didn't do anything wrong. Zarco was going to his grid position. You were out there doing your start device, and you didn't look up. 
All you had to do was look up. And Rossi even said it. I don't know what he was doing. I watched it. <laughs> so, Muffet of the Week. And they abashing anybody. We love you, but that was dumb. And you know oh. it. Um, but, you know, it was a great week of racing. And we're up against the clock here. You know, yeah, definitely. Uh, but it was a great week of racing. I, I really... Mugello's always special. Luca Marini finished last, but his bike was amazing, so he wins. Um, but I think what we need to see this week is some improvement from a lot of people, and hopefully we will. I mean, we're going into this. You got Fabio. Do you think Fabio's got to be the favorite, right? I think so. I think is actually going to make a huge step this week. You know, he got caught out a little bit by that Marquez crash, and he stayed yep, up, yep. you know. Um, yep. I, I, th- I don't think Franco's results so far this year are indicative of what Franco – of the rider that we know Franco Morbidelli is. So he's in a little bit of a rut right okay. now. He's going to dig yep. himself out, though. And I, I'm a yep. huge I Morbidelli so fan, though. Honestly, I am. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot to happen. But, uh, all right, well, let's let's cut this one off and let's go to World Superbike. All right, guys, hang tight. We're going to jump right over to our first part three.